Content warnings for this epilogue include romance, references to sexual entanglements, food and drink, complex and complicated relationships, death of loved ones, and grief. Epilogues Part 7 Vasanti Nokshirzo The year is 408 AT, 16 months after the stars come back. Gaul Tanger is tall in the sky, a golden plate of warmth shining bounty onto all who wander beneath her sprawl. Under the cerulean horizon and the thick white clouds, we find Rosso. Pillars of rock and glass tower and spiral up into the sky like the fingers of Scod and Nectus scraping the underbelly of the great beyond. The capital of Nabal is ablaze with activity. Merchants driving carts, children running past spraying fountains, dancers and inventors working their craft on street corners. And from above, the neighborhoods below of the championship resemble wedges on a pie divided into eight equal segments. We hold on that bird's eye view of Rosso on the merchants and laughter, the youth and the artists as slowly, colorfully, fading into position over Rosso is the image of an actual pie. An apple pie, actually, cut into eight slices, the scent of fruit and sugar wafting off the surface of the perfectly baked golden crust. This pie sits on a long outdoor table surrounded by trays of other delicious treats. Rice, noodles, chicken wings, beef, tenderloin, vegetables, soup, stews, fruit, cheese, dessert. This table is flanked by other tables just like it, all laden with food, bustling with activity within a garden. And within this garden, Vasanti Nakshirzo, I want you to tell me and all of us what does this garden look like? Yeah, this is a giant garden. It is surrounded on si all sides by large granite blocks of, uh, you know, brick. There is sections of it that are much more like a park where people can stroll, congregate, have fun. And then there are also just large swaths of gardens. Um, not so much looking like your traditional fields, but much more like um, in the style of like a community gardens, things that are being tended to by any and everyone who wants to participate in this place. Uh, there are sections that are dedicated towards those who were paragons and keepers, and you can find almost like um, in the center a trellis that if you look closely enough is uh, almost like a Rodin sculpture where it's like all these little scenes from that year that the paragons and keepers uh, had together, you know, uh, and it tells the story of of Vasanti and her friends and uh, There is also a section in the corner that uh, is You see a statue of um, an elven woman that uh, if you were to go up, there's like a little plaque that talks about um, Paya Nakshirzo. And it is like, is dedicated to her memory, this this particular section of the garden. 
uh, says things like, um, the only currency we have is love. Take care of one another and no one can fall for long. Uh, and around it is, uh, if you were to see early in the mornings, Vasanti goes around to this particular statue and like takes care of it, makes it look nice, picks some fresh flowers and lays it. And then other people have also brought like fresh flowers to this particular bus. This is a way for Vasanti to honor her mother and for others to honor those who have passed, not just from the past, you know, 16 months, what happened, but in all of our lives. Uh, this is a place to go and, and really honor the dead. Um, while also all around being surrounded by life and regrowth and rebirth. Mm, absolutely. I really love that. I think this community garden is, like you said, a beautiful, lush place with tables of just free food that anyone who wanders in off the streets of Rosso can just come in and take for themselves. Uh, and just full of so many community members of this capital, not just those belonging to the championship, but to the global community of Andake herself. We see so many of your friends and compatriots between the trellises, observing the statues, paying respect respects uh, to the lost during the cataclysm. And I think as we sweep across this garden, we find a half-elf woman with dark brown skin and this short, bluntly cropped brown hair. She's got this marble white uh, vitiligo that branches across a plain but fierce face. And Talat Om is wearing this leather armor, hide, and furs, and is kneeling in the soil, tending to a garden bed. And even perched on the branch of a nearby apple tree, we see her tawny feathered hawk watching. And this hawk snaps his amber gaze to the side as a large woman uh, trundles past underneath it. Rev, uh, she's smiling and laughing, her black feathered cape billowing in the breeze behind her. And sitting on her huge and considerable uh, broad shoulders is Hana who is affecting a very dignified manner about her, despite the fact that she is a teenager riding horsey. Uh, and Hana's long bubblegum pink hair is tied into this tall, no-nonsense ponytail, and she's in the middle of fiercely scribbling notes on a clipboard as she eyes the moving vines of this tall, I think, trellised plant uh, on like a nearby fence post, whose blooms are a little too high for her to observe on her own two feet. So she's riding, riding on Rev's shoulders. And we see see Rev and Hana moving past Talat's garden bed uh, to find three bumbling fools, let's say, wrestling a cabbage, maybe the size of a wagon wheel. And we see a wiry green-skinned tiefling with a mop of messy hair. We see a tiny goblin uh, with patchwork clothes and a perpetual scowl on his face. And a hummingbird, Aarakocra. Uh, with sad, downturned eyes. And the bone breaker, blood stomper, marrow chewers now are struggling to pluck this considerable vegetable out of the ground. And when they finally do, this cabbage dislodges with a pop, uh, and all three of them just fall back onto their butts. Uh, so as we sweep across the garden and see all these uh, natives of Nabal, friends and companions you've met and encountered in your own travels and adventures, where are you, Vasanti? I think actually Vasanti is on her horse, Shadow. I think she had come in and immediately probably spotted uh, Jaron and Oka over in the corner and just was catching up, having laughs with them. There's probably Kane is 
you know, entertaining some folks, uh, you know, doing some dance moves uh, in one of the park recreational spots. And, you know, they're just enjoying life. Uh, we see Vasanti on Shadow. Um, she looks like a great weight has been lifted off her from when we last saw her. She actually looks more like when we first met her so long ago, where she's wearing a a gray-on-gray pinstripe vest, uh, dark brown pants, but instead of a white dress shirt with Kelly Green tie, she's wearing uh, a red shirt, a very bright red shirt um, that is reminiscent of when she used to have a mage hand with her bracer on that looked like a red dragon claw. It's that kind of red. Um, her hair, she's allowed it to get sort of, uh, it's very long and luxurious. Um, no longer is it streaked with the Kelly Green purp and purple so much, but uh, it's still long and flowing. The longest it's probably ever been in her entire life. And... She looks happy. She looks, she's smiling. She's having jokes. Uh, she's no longer wearing like the bracer. There's nothing on her that at all shows the powerful sorcerer that she once was, but no longer can be. Um, but she seems unbelievably happy with it. Gone. If you are to look really close, like the only person who probably can still see the traces of scars for when she almost was ripped apart in the nothing plane, uh, it is only Rev because or Lotus because you have to be literally at close enough to basically cuddle to see the remnants of stitches where Scott and Nectus saved Vasanti by pulling her back together literally. Um... And yeah, this is where she's at, and she sees, looks over the um, the scene of the garden. This is a place that she has built so that she wants, she has spent so much of her life taking and taking and taking that she has built this as a way to give to any and everybody who is in need. You know, she sees over here probably some folks taking boxes of, of fresh vegetables, and they're going to go back to, you know, uh, they're going to go back to Chulong or, you know, some Talamad. You know, there's people from all over the, all of Andake ready to bring back food to their loved ones. Um, and she's probably going to then see Lotus and Rev, and she's just going to uh, Shadow and start to excuse herself from Oka and Jaron. And make her way over towards uh, maybe Lotus, I guess. Yeah, like the cowgirl that you are, you <laughs> you nicker at Shadow, and Shadow like moves away from Jaron and Oka and Kane. And Kane, I think, is using a bit of glamour, a bit of magic to entertain some of the children nearby. And there is a lot of attendants who are excited that the champion of Nibal is here too, and all the paragons and so many of the keepers are here as well. Like there's an air of excitement and happiness and camaraderie that lingers in this garden space, thicker than the pollen and the syrup wafting off of various uh, baked goods. As you guide your obsidian horse through the garden beds, your eyes fall indeed upon Lotus. Lotus, this tiefling woman with deep red skin, a pair of broken ram's horns, and these bright white eyes. 
a network of scars thickens the skin on her chest uh, and tangles all the way kind of like up her neck and all across her arms. Lotus is currently working a drink station. She is serving cider and fruit juice and water, seltzer, tea, coffee, hot chocolate, whatever you want, any and all manner of libation. She has a towel uh, slung over one shoulder that she's using to like wipe down the counter every now and then as people come and go, come and go. And then she kind of pauses mid-swipe as she feels your eyes upon her and she hears the clicking of hooves against, I think, this padded pavement uh, of soil winding through the garden beds. And Lotus lifts her alabaster gaze up, fixes it upon you, Vasanti. There you are. I was wondering if you'd show up to my little corner of the garden before the opening ceremony. Of course I would. I would not miss this for the world. And as uh, as she's saying this, she's slowly getting herself off the horse, uh, taking the um, the reins and sort of tying them off on a nearby little post. And is quick to try to help out. Like is there, the table has a current rush, so she is quickly helping us to sling the drinks, uh, telling jokes and to friends, uh, you know, recognizing people. Uh, it is very clear that in this, these last 16 months, she has gotten to know this community very well. The, obviously, they all know her, so it is easier for them to approach her, but she's done her best to get to know as many people, and she's telling jokes, she's giving them their drinks, she's helping until hopefully the, uh, you know, this current rush dies down a little bit, so Lotus and Vasanti get a little more time to just actually talk, and as they probably are cleaning up after that last rush of people. Totally. I think as the final kind of wave of of people crushing the drink stand sort of dies down, the two of you get like a a moment of privacy behind the counter as you're both just sort of like cleaning the rags, I think, in like these uh, buckets of water underneath the table. Uh, And I think you're maybe like hunkered down a little, like bending underneath it, like re-up the supplies uh, when I think uh, her horns brush against your face and she glances up. And the only sound that punctuates this is the distant laughter of children, you know, chattering of your friends and the slurp, slurp, slurp of shadow drinking from their their bucket that Lotus had set out preemptively for them along with their bucket of feed. And Lotus looks at you... (laughs) You know, there's a warm expression that softens her gaze. And she says, are you ready? You have a big speech all prepared? Ugh, don't remind me. Uh, I will make it up as I go along. This is when uh, Vasanti's <laughs> at her best, no? Classic Vasanti. Well, I'm sure whatever you have to say, everyone's going to love it. That is very kind of you to say. May I give you a kiss? You know you don't have to ask. But she reaches forward, tucks her hand at the small of your back, and pulls both of you into like a, a straightened, like standing position from where you're hunched over and kisses you. And I think uh, Vasanti's arms also, after a few moments, like wrap around Lotus and give the type of hug that is like making up for 50 years worth of making Lotus wait for this, mm. these types of moments together. Um, I think since finally things have settled, uh, if we were to be able to sit in the nights where they have together, there is a, a re- regret on Vasanti's part because, you know, it is kind of her fault that uh, she kind of forgot who Lotus was for a very, very, very long time. 
uh, and she is, you know, not overcompensated, but has tried her best to just give Lotus the type of relationship and life that she deserves to have. Mm-hmm. And these are like the qualities of her her hug. Her hug feels like 50 years worth of hugs in every single solitary hug that she now gives Lotus. I think Lotus feels that. She senses it as you hug her with this kind of like forgiveness and not desperation exactly, but like just closeness, right? Like you want to imbue all of your emotions into every act of physical touch you get to spend with her. Uh, And she hugs you back gently, tenderly. And I think when there's kind of a a break in your embrace, she pulls away but doesn't let go of you, looks down at you, Vasanti, and says, I love the way you hug me, but you don't have to hug me like you're afraid of losing me anymore, Vasanti. The war is over. I'm here. You're here. We're together. We're safe. It was not the war that made me lose you the first time. And so I just, I feel perhaps like there is something that I owe you, I guess. I mean, you know, I've been very transactional most of my life. (laughs) I feel a great debt that I am still working off with you. You loving me, Vasanti, is never a debt you have to repay. And yes, there is a lot of lost time for us to make up for, but we have 50 more years at least to do it. A hundred, two hundred if we're lucky. Everything's forgiven here. I do not know what Avasanti Nakshirzo has done to deserve such a partner such as yourself. Uh, I don't know. I think often about how the fact that... I don't know if waited for me is the right word, but... That you hadn't given up for as long as you did. That is something I did not think possible a long time ago. I held on to hope for dozens of years I was beginning to give up when you walked through my tavern again, a ghost stepping out of a memory. And now here you are, and every day I get to spend with you, I feel like I'm in a dream. But, Visanti. What you're saying about not deserving this? Perhaps that would be true 50 years ago. But you're a different person now, Vasanti. And I love every part of the person you've become and the person you will turn into 50 years from now, too. I appreciate that more than I could ever, ever say, Lotus. You are... Unbelievable. You are so <laughs> kind and funny and hardworking. I worked very hard to get what I had through less than honorable ways. You have actually done the work. You have been honorable. You have been something that I didn't know was possible long before I knew it was possible. You... I'm just so unbelievably happy I could not ask for more from you or from anyone. You are 
all that I love. You're all that I love too, Visanti. And I don't know if you remember this. You know, the network of your memories of our time together still feels a little bit like a fun fractal we get to piece together. But there was one segment of, let's say, pillow talk where we made a wager with each other. This must have been 50, 60 years ago. One of us bet that you would never grow up to be anything but a scoundrel. And the other bet against it. And that bet was actually quite steep. I believe it came to the sum of 800 gold pieces. Do you remember who wagered who? Oh, dear. I, oh, gosh. That seems like... I mean, surely I... I would have... I would have wagered against it that I would have ever, never been more than scoundrel. Why would I have ever been... Right? I don't know. You don't. <laughs> oh gosh! Please be gentle. Uh, she she laughs, uh, and she like kind of like peppers your face with kisses as you're blushing and being like kind of nervous here. But she like embarrasses you even further by kissing. And when she pulls back, she says, "You knew yourself too well. You did bet against yourself, Visanti, and I took you up on it to never bet against you." So I guess if you really wanted to settle any kind of debt between us, you owe me 800. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, uh, well, you know, I did spend a considerable amount of on to help build these places. These walls, these were not cheap. Uh, statues in honor of friends, not cheap. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I think, like, she, like, searches herself for, like, a gold pouch. She's, like, uh, she opens it up. She's, like, counting it a little bit. Well, this is not what I fully owe, but this is uh, maybe about a quarter of, if you would accept so humbly um, an IOU on the rest at the moment. She takes the sack of 200 gold pieces and says, Thank you very much. I do still have to collect my debts. I have a reputation to maintain in too long. And... Visanti Nakshirzo, I have a donation I'd like to make to your community garden. And then she puts the coin back into your hand. Oh, oh dear. Well, what a kind, generous gift. And, uh, You're very welcome. And I think they just like laugh together and maybe another big kiss and hug. Absolutely. Yeah, you laugh, you kiss, and I think you spend the rest of her shift, essentially, before the opening ceremony, uh, tending to more guests who are thirsty, giving people directions, answering any questions that new guests might have uh, in this space. So, Visanti, I think as Galtanger continues her slow ascent through the sky, we finally reach the part of the event where it's time for the opening ceremony. It's time for your big speech. It's time for your words, Visanti. This is the opening of the garden. So where does this happen and how are you gathering everyone? Yeah, um, there is a place. If the entrance is over here, it's on the completely opposite side, um, kind of against the wall. And it, it isn't that it is hidden away, but it is honestly, if you consider all things, not the flashiest part of the entire garden. But there is sort of like in many other spots, this beautiful giant uh, uh, tribute to 
Vasanti and the journey that was happened and and Rev and you can actually kind of it's a sort of a plot of ground. Uh, maybe I'll 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 tell you more about that plot of land later. Uh, but there otherwise there are again like many other places all these little tiny statues of specifically Vasanti and Rev and their stories both before knowing each other and after some of Vasanti's hijinks and scores and and you can if you really follow through all of them you really get like a full story of her life as well as Rev's life and that is what the space is it's a very sort of ceremonial uh storytelling through this art through sculptures of their lives up to this point um and Vasanti is sort of standing on uh a a dais. I get to say a dais for once. And uh, she has sort of like gathered people together. Obviously, there are sort of over here, uh, her closest friends, the, the keepers, the paragons, everyone who has shown up from from the stranger war uh, is over here. Uh, other dignitaries who have who have made their way from across Andake over here. The, the middle space is for all those in attendance. Um, there's a special place for Lotus who, you know, all activities have died out. So to honor this moment that's about to happen. So Lotus has a spot sort of behind and uh, Rev is very close to Vasanti here. And uh, Vasanti is, again, gathering the people and preparing them, giving like just a gentle hand motion for everyone to and quiet the conversations around her. Uh, honored guests, friends, leaders of Endake, everybody welcome, welcome, welcome to Vasanti's Garden. I had this vision during our journey with me and the other paragons and keepers that uh, I wanted to be able to give. I wanted to express in my heart uh, what I could not so freely articulate beforehand, that uh, it is important that we use whatever skills we have to help each other. It was through this journey with my friends and allies that I learned very hard lesson of Asante Nakshirzo. Oh, two, three years ago, and much earlier than that, was someone who learned to be alone, to be self-sufficient, to not care about what other people are going through. It was about what I could achieve, what I could gather, what I could get. And I survived doing this. I did all sorts of things. I managed to see all of Endake, meet many people... But this life, it was a lonely life. Because in the end, I was bringing a harvest just to one. To just one Vasanti. There was no sharing at the banquet table. There was no laughter with friends. There was no joy in being able to look to someone in need and say, Hey, I've got something for you and be able to hand them something. I was always looking to take. And so I finally realized I want to give now. 
For the rest of my days of Endake, I want you all to experience what it is like with a Vasanti giving all that she has to others. I have poured all of my resources into this garden. Uh, I have met with so many leaders across all of Endake so that people know that if they are in need, they can come here. And, you know, early on, after the cat catastrophic events that began this whole journey for us, uh, there were people in need. And it was through people not being able to give all that they could that uh, certain elements, certain groups, we shall say, got their foothold in some places of Indake. I'm not going to name names. We all were there. You all know the stories. And so what better way to prevent something like that happening again than by providing all that we can to those in need? Uh, so here we are. We are here to have fun, we are here to laugh, we are here to be there for each other when maybe laughter is not so easy, when maybe you need good cry, and maybe hopefully our tears will be the thing that waters the soil so that the seeds of our prosperity and our futures may blossom. May our losses be simply the harvest that will allow new things to grow new gifts to grow that we can share with each other. There is this plaque here beside me and uh, I think this best encapsulates what I'm trying to do with this garden and it says for those of you who cannot read it way and back I will shout it for you. For those stories who will never be told we plant a seed. Your journey still nourishes all of us even those who are unknown. The Unknown Heroes. Thank you all for being here. Stay as long as you like. Make friends. Make lovers. And take whatever it is you need. And when you can give back, give back. Thank you all. There's clapping and cheering. Everyone like gets up from their seats. I think that I've been loosely arranged around the back of the garden. Uh, and has everyone's clapping and cheering and whooping, right? And like, woo, woo, woo. you know, you hear like a piercing wolf whistle in Oka's corner, right? Uh, as you look out over the crowd, you see all these familiar faces, right? You see Oka and Kane and Jaron. You see Manaya and Manaya's grandmother. You see Hana and Rev and Uelani. You see Dusty and Abiku and Lotus. You see everyone you've ever loved and everyone who loves you sitting and standing in that crowd, smiling. And I think as the clapping starts to die down a little, Rev steps forward from the crowd to join you up on this raised dais. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that again, Erica. She steps up onto this raised dais with you uh, and holds out a hand to you. Vasanti takes it. She squeezes your fingers in her own and she smiles at you with this bright, brilliant grin that you've never seen her wear until after all of the war was over. I think this isn't the first time now that you've seen her smile like this, but every time she does, it kind of takes your breath a little bit away because when she smiles like that, she doesn't feel dead. She feels, in every sense of the word, alive when she's with you. 
And what do you do, Vasanti, as she steps up and takes your hand? Vasanti is going to look deep into her eyes. I mean, looking up deep into her eyes. Uh, there's a moment of sort of gay panic, and uh, <laughs> of course, and not so much like a hug or kiss, but more like a placing her head on Rev's broad, wonderful, unbelievably comfy shoulder, and just like squeezing the hand in hers while just uh, a little bit of moment. There is a little bit of that feeling of like, oh, I, uh, that that is over now. Thank goodness. Oh boy, that was nerve wracking. As she sort of like uh, leans into Rev a bit, and then after a moment, she looks up again at, in those eyes and just. Um, Thank you so much for being here with me right now. Wouldn't have missed it for the world. You know that. Ready for this? And she reaches into, I think, the, the belt at her waist and pulls out two pouches. Two familiar pouches that look heavy. And at first you think anyone who looks at it who doesn't know what they are might think they're coin pouches. But you know that the contents that they hold are more valuable than anything gold can buy. Yes. Um... I think Vasanti sort of knows which pouch is hers uh, visually. So she holds out her hand to um, take her pouch, so mm -hmm. to speak. And uh, she looks down at this sort of ground. There is something about the ground where it looks like two plots right next to each other of what will be, when the time comes, their final resting place. This is where Vasanti and Rev have chosen that they want to uh, have their bodies spend eternity when it is time. And uh, Vasanti opens up her pouch to look at the dirt which Rev gave on their wedding night as gift. Uh, they had made an agreement that they would spread this dirt when uh, it was when they found this place of theirs. And she looks at Rev... Are you sure this is where uh, we want to be? Sure as death and taxes. Uh, sure as death and taxes. And um, I think at first, Vasanti has opened up the bag and she sort of just reaches in and pulls a small handful of the dirt, which for her is a mixture of Jukai and uh, Chulongian soil uh, that Rev had gathered for her. And forgetting about the crowd of people around her for a moment, she kneels down towards the ground, and she really takes this moment to really, like, watch the remainder, like, this the sand, this soil... Uh, come out as she slowly undoes her hand and just watches the dirt fall onto this patch of dirt. Um, and she just sort of studies it, watches it, and, like, she's really overcome with that that feeling of, you know, we return to the dirt from whence we came in that, you know, that sort of thinking. And... Once she has watched that dirt settle onto it, uh, she watches Rev uh, in the way that Rev is, decides to to pour her own dirt 
Yeah, Rev also takes out a fistful of her own grave dirt, and when she sprinkles it out, we can see the brackish, fertile soil of the court, earth that's been consecrated in the lapping waters of the Black Tongue itself, as we see this like dark, like pitch-black earth just trickle past her fingers and fall onto the top of where her final resting place will be. And then I think there's a tradition where the next fistful of dirt, you sprinkle over each other's graves. Mm. Yes. So, uh, once she has watched Rev drop her dirt, she reaches in and grabs another. And I think almost like, you know, the way that uh, on some weddings they like, you know, cross arms and like drink f- from cups or whatever. I almost think like they almost like lock arms yeah. the way they like reach across each other and, and pour their, their dirt on the other's grave. And mm. I think... Shortly after beginning to let the soil escape her hand, she looks at Rev as the rest uh, releases from her hand and just sort of smiles a very loving and incredibly peaceful smile at Rev. And Rev says to you, before she kisses you, and the entire congregation erupts into cheers and applause again, in life, in death together. And Vasanti, you don't know where your long and storied life will lead you from this point onward. Maybe one day we'll see you growing mountains with your hands, planting the dirt palm by palm into something that distant generations will one day marvel at. Maybe one day we'll see you living a simple life. Helping Ulani meal prep for Hana, taking Hana to and from weightlifting classes with Rev. Maybe we'll see you on adventures no one could have ever dreamed of. But right now, Vasanti, you know that wherever life takes you, wherever you go, you'll never be alone again. You'll always have this home to return to. You'll always have your friends to scold you if you eye a coin purse a little too hard. And you'll always have your beloveds by your side. No matter where you go, no matter how long you live, you know you will always be surrounded by love. And that is the unbreakable truth.